This week, Brother Brzezinski concludes the series in Romans, covering Romans chapters 15 through 16, with a lesson titled, Why Romans and What It Means. Thank you, worship team. And you can be seated. It's good to be here in the house tonight. I am not Brother Lopez. (laughs) Believe it or not. Before I get into the lesson tonight, I just feel to share something that I was talking with Brother Sleeve the other night. And just thinking about Pen X and what we're doing there. And the vision from the very start was not just to put our brand on something and, you know, kind of brand ourselves over at this new apartment because, you know, that's, that's not really it. The initial intent was to baptize that whole thing with prayer. And I was kind of crying to Brother Shaliva the other day because I don't know how to reach people. You ever feel that way? Like, I don't, I don't know how to connect with people. When you were talking, uh, Brother Lopez, about the heroin epidemic in this city and, and close to you, it's like, what do you do? How do you, how do you even begin to approach that situation? And I don't, I don't know how to do that. But what Brother Sleva just said to me was, um, you know, and this, I, fr- I want to give credit to the right person, but I don't recall who originally preached this message. It's somebody who Brother Sleva went to Bible school with. Uh, but he's preaching this message right now that is titled the Cornelius Angel. And the, the point is, is uh, when Peter wanted to reach out to Cornelius and the Gentiles, what was his marketing plan? To reach out to the Gentiles. Anybody know his marketing plan? Did he brand himself? And No, he didn't. He, didn't, he prayed. And he wasn't even all that checked in in prayer. It was actually more Cornelius' prayers but there was a connection in prayer and God sent an angel to make the connection. And his point is that, that angel, do angels die? Angels don't die. So in theory, that same angel is out there somewhere waiting for someone to pray and pray for a spiritual connection. And I do think that we underestimate what is happening in the spiritual realm, what is going on. Our prayers matter. Our prayers bind things. Our prayers loose things. That's what we're about as Pentecostals. Other people can, with all due respect, let them pass out water. Let them do those things. We are doing what we're doing, not just to give people biscotti, but because there's prayer behind this. And we want to see people drawn by prayer. So that's, I'm going to be done with that. Um, we are back in this series on Romans. And Martin Luther said of the book of Romans that it's the chief book of the New Testament and it deserves to be known by heart, word for word, by every Christian. Anybody feel like after a 14-week series you know this book word by word? By heart, anybody? Okay, well, Brother Lopez, after service, let's talk about, maybe we can put it out another 14 weeks, make this a 28-week series. I don't think they know it by heart yet, but they should. They really should. But, you know, it's a good book. 
Um, how many of you have enjoyed the book? That's almost half of you. That's amazing. And so to those of you who did enjoy it, thank Brother Lopez. Um, if there's anything that you did not enjoy, just blame me. It was probably my fault to be, yeah. Amen. But thank you, Sister Lopez, for turning down the air conditioning for us. God bless you. Um, and also Brother Baldwin. How, how many of you know Brother Baldwin, who I'm talking about? He fixed the air conditioning here. So if you see him, thank him. It is not 100 degrees in here. Hallelujah. All right. So let us move on. And let me say before I get deep into this lesson, I'm just thankful to be a part of young adults. If somebody were to ask me, where your ministry started, and it's not maybe gone very far in some people's estimation, but where it started was on a soundboard in the back of the young adults room. And that's where I'll point to and say, that's where I had my first ministry experience, was putting away microphones, wrapping up cords, trying not to make people squeal, which does happen sometimes, but that's okay. But I'm thankful for all the teachers in this class, of course, the Lopez's and all you guys have invested in me, and um, we have one of our teachers, Katie Collins, back at Calvary. That'll be cool. I think, will we get to hear her at some point, maybe? Okay, that'd be good. That'd be cool. So let's get into Romans. I'm going to do something a little different tonight. Uh, I have the concluding chapters of Romans. Somebody said amen. amen. The concluding chapters, 15 and 16, we're putting in one lesson. This is it. This is your last Romans lesson. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a, it's a good series, but it's a long book. It's a long book, and it's a deep book, and it's kind of sometimes you feel like you're trudging through the deep parts of that book. Uh, but I do want to do something a little bit different tonight, um, probably let you guys out a little bit early. Uh, I know Brother Lopez preaches about 50 minutes, so I'm thinking I'll come in. Well, for, we'll give him 45, 45 minutes, usually 45 minutes. Five-minute altar. 40 minutes, five-minute altar. So we'll, we'll try to get you at 38 minutes, you know, six-minute altar. We'll save you a minute tonight in Jesus' name. But I do want to ah, maybe not just go through 15 and 16, because I read this, and I'm like, Lord, what am I, I going to teach out of 15 and 16? It's like a lot of it is like Paul saying, I really want to come meet you guys, and it's just kind of personal stuff. It's it's not really that deep theological stuff. So I'm like, Lord, what am I going to do here? But what I want to do is not take it verse by verse. I want to take a step back and say, why have we been studying Romans in the first place? Valid question. Why are you waiting till week 14 to ask this question? I don't... It's a valid question. Why Romans? But it's a good question. So I want to talk about why we study Romans and what does it mean for us? So I'm going to borrow from things we've covered all the way back. So... If you would, just imagine I'm your tour guide, going to get in a helicopter. We're not going to be walking, trudging through the details tonight, but I just want to get in a helicopter, get up in the air, take a look at where we've been, and get a high-level view of where we've gone and what this means. And what I think is the reason for the Holy Ghost inspiring Paul to write this book. Okay. Um, so, it's a good question, why? And I'm going to take you to 
what I think the right answer to why Paul wrote this book. And you, you could ask anybody. I could ask some of you in this class, why is the book of Romans important? We'd get different um, answers. I could ask a good reformed theologian why the book of Romans is important, a good Calvinist, and what do you think they would say? And do you know that most people in Christianity are reformed, Calvinist? And they would say, well, Romans is important because out of Romans chapter 9, we get this wonderful doctrine of God's absolute sovereignty. And he elects and predestines. And that's one answer that you'd get from a reformed view. Another answer might be if you asked, say, somebody like Martin Luther, you know, what did you get? Why do you think the book of Romans is so important? And they might lean toward something like, well, because there we find that it's grace through faith. That's a good lesson. It's an important lesson to learn. But I want to see what the writer of Romans says is the most important thing. And I'm going to turn to Romans chapter 15 and go to verses 15 through 16. Romans 15, 15 through 16. Who wants to read this for me? Zach, you shout this out. Read 15 and 16 for me. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Okay. So... <clears throat> Verse 15, I have written the more boldly unto you. So I have written to you, okay, here might, might get a reason. Why? Because the grace of God that has given me good, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, good, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So why, why do we have this whole book? And if I were to boil it down and pick out Paul's answer, it would be, Right here in verses 15 and 16, I have written the more boldly because that the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. You got it? That the Gentiles might be offered up acceptable in the Holy Ghost. So buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. You, you guys strapped in? Yes. You strapped in? Okay. So let's, let's take it on back. Let's take it on back to the beginning. And... Just look, re-look re at the context of what is going on in this book of Romans. Obviously, there's some division in the early Christian church. There's obviously an issue, a division between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers, between what was the Old Testament way of getting into covenant with God and the New Testament method of getting in covenant with God. Clearly a divide. And this letter... And you see it in Paul's ministry all through the epistles. He's dealing with this divide over and over and over again. He will go do something, and somebody will come behind him and say, well, Paul doesn't quite have that right. You do have to incorporate, you know, some old Old Testament type things, and it, Paul's kind of out there. So he's battling something that's not just happening in Rome, but across the Christian world, and it needs to get settled. Is the Holy Ghost for division or for unity? for unity. So certainly that's one reason why we're getting this book is the Holy Ghost wants to unite people in one truth. Not have people thinking different things, believing different things, getting in little bickering fights about little different things. The Holy Ghost wants to unite the church. 
And Paul's the perfect vessel to do this because his background is he's a Pharisee. He's been persecuting early Christians. So if anybody has an idea of what both sides of this issue are, it's Paul. And Paul is the chosen vessel of the Holy Ghost to do this. And I want to take a look back at Romans 1. And let's just take our time here. Let's slow down for a minute. I want to look at Romans 1, verse 1, or chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Could, could I get another reader? Could somebody read 16 for me? Justin, you want to read for me? You got to shout it out. Amen. So here we have what I think is the thesis. You've written papers, you know what a thesis statement is. It's your main pregnant sentence where you put the meaning of what you're going to say into some encapsulated form, right? So this is a, a heavy, pregnant, concise sentence. Does that bother you? It's full of meaning. It's full of potential of what's going to come in this book. And this word, I want to just pause and pause on this word, believeth. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Uh, Zach, did you take soteriology with Brother Kilman? You did. And what does soteriology mean? The study of salvation. The study of salvation. Hmm. Now, this word believeth is interesting. And it's important that we just pause here and say, what's happening in Romans? And what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to have salvation? Because you'll talk to a lot of people out there and say, you know, are you, are you saved? Do you know God? Like, yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, I, I, I committed my life to Jesus back here in 1985. But what Brother Kilman will tell you in soteriology is that salvation is one of the most elastic words in the Bible. It has three components to it. It, it is I was saved, past tense, I am presently saved, and I will be saved as I believe and trust God and walk in faith and walk with God. You remove any one of those and you've got a problem. So this, this nice King James language, believeth, that's in indicating to you, and you don't get this in other translations or in other versions of the Bible, but that's indicating to you that this is a word that is not just happened back here or happened one time. This E-T-H, believeth, or anytime you get that good King James ith on your verb, that means it's happened and is happening and will continue to happen. It's an ongoing thing when you have that verb. So when we look at this verse and see believeth, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. This is not just a once saved, always saved type thing. This is not a decision that I made for Christ. This is not as soon as I had an initial inkling toward God and I experienced an inkling of faith, that's where it begins and ends. That's not biblical salvation. That's, that's a misrepresentation of what Paul's presenting in this book. Believeth is an ongoing process. And you get the same thing in the next verse. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Where is the righteousness of God revealed? Not just in faith. It's revealed in from faith to faith. It's revealed in the process of moving from faith to faith. 
here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. We are to grow. We are to build. That's where we see what God wants for us from faith to faith. You see that. It's a process, right? It doesn't stop at just one single moment. And that, that's important because it's in this very book of Romans that we have people picking up strange ideas about salvation. Strange ideas like, let's, you know, by grace through faith. Therefore, if you have any amount of faith, you're good. And because we know God is so sovereign and he's predestined some people to heaven and some to hell, if you have even an inkling of faith, you're saved and you're good. Couldn't be further from the truth because right here at the very beginning, the thesis statement is this is going to be, ladies and gentlemen, a process. This is going to be a process. You don't get to quit this one. Amen? Amen. All right. In Jesus' name, let's move on. Let's get, whew, we slowed down a little too much. Let's get back in this old helicopter and move on. I'm going to go up to Romans chapter 3. We're going to just pop over this one quickly. But if you'll remember with me, if you look out your window to your left, you'll see Romans chapter 1. And we talked about how that everyone in the pagan world, the pagan world is a sinner. No surprise here. They don't know God. They don't have the covenants of God. No surprise there. Moving on. Romans chapter 2, we saw that even the Jewish people who had the law and were trying to live according to the law, they too had failed the law and were sinners. But I want to just pop in here to Romans chapter 3, verses 22 to 23. Can I get a reader? Can somebody be my reader? Bishop Lopez, you want to shout out 22 and 23 for us? Yes. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. But there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mm, right there. What a fundamental understanding to our Christian walk. There is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what does that mean for us now? It still means a lot. It still means that whether you're black or you're white, there is no difference. It still means that whether you're rich or you're poor, there is no difference. And it still means that whether you've been in Pentecost for 20 generations or 20 minutes, there is no difference. That's what we're talking about here because your flesh is not going to get this done. No flesh is going to get this done. We're all sinners. Now let's move on. Let's move on quickly. And I want to stay here for a minute. This might be one of the best chapters in the Bible, Romans chapter 8. And it's stuck right here in the middle of the book, which tells me that this is just everything about it. It's position in the book, the subject matter of the book, the style of the writing, it's a pivotal book. It's right in the middle. It's a pivotal primary book or chapter in the book of Romans. And what do we have here? But of course, finally, we get to not just the problem and not just the guilt, but we finally get to this place where we see this is the solution. So the flesh can't get it done, but we finally get to the place that we have a solution. And my, my, my. How many of you love Romans chapter 8? I, 
I like it. I had a great grandma who was just a praying lady, good Pentecostal lady. I mean, just, she just prayed. She had a sixth grade education, but she just knew how to get a hold of God. You know what I'm talking about? Like some of our good ladies in the prayer room, these gray-haired ladies here at Calvary who just know how to pray and get a hold of God. That's a precious thing. And uh, Grandma Burns was her name, and she used to do this thing. When she'd feel the Holy Ghost, she'd, she'd, she'd kind of do a little shimmy, and she'd be like, whew, I feel the witness. You, you see what I feel the witness. So a lot of people look at this book, and with all due respect, as apostolic Pentecostals, you know how to read Romans chapter 8. That, that means something to you. All humanity can read Romans chapter 7 and say, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And everybody in humanity can relate to that one. But it takes an apostolic Pentecostal filled with the Holy Ghost to appreciate the power of there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If anybody can appreciate that, ladies and gentlemen, it is you blessed folk who really do have this Spirit. To you when you read this, it's not intellectual. I feel bad for people who, they feel condemnation, so they turn to books of the Bible like this, and no disrespect, because the, the Word is good, and the Word will minister wherever you're at. That's true. But some people without the Spirit, they just read it and they try to convince themselves that there is therefore now no condemnation. But oh, if they had the taste of what it is and they didn't have to just intellectually try to, by the force of their own will, tell themselves, God has this promise for me. If they tasted and saw, if they experienced this for themselves. And that's what my grandma was saying. I feel the witness of the Spirit. I don't, I don't have to force this into my consciousness in some kind of exercise. I feel the witness. It says it like this, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. His Spirit witnesses with my spirit. How do I explain that, Matt? How do you explain that I feel it down I don't even know down where, but I feel it. It's a witness with my spirit. It's on the deepest level that you are. You have a witness that you are the children of God. And with all due respect, ladies and gentlemen, with all due respect, the Bible is very, very clear. And to, to help you, some people like to find just a, a verse or two in Romans and try to make a whole doctrine from an almost absence of Scripture, and they try to read in between the lines in Romans. We need to take the general truth of Scripture, right? So there's not just Romans chapter 9 in our Bible, okay? We have Romans chapter 8, we have Acts 2, we have John 3. We have to look at the general truth of Scripture. And this book in the Bible, the spirit to our Christian walk, is not an extra that we can throw away or take and leave, period. Do you know that it's no surprise to any of you, and with all due respect, I should probably not even meddle in this, but our pastor preaches on the Holy Ghost a lot. And you should be thankful. Because this is not an ancillary thing to the Christian walk. 
This, if we don't have the spirit, we have lost the essential element. It's like, what's, what's a good equation? Let's try to have ice cream without milk. I don't know. You can't do it. It's like you're taking out the irreducible, absolute thing you need for there to be New Testament Christianity. It is primary. It is pivotal. Pentecost is pivotal. Pentecost is pivotal. Not just to Pentecostals, but to every, to every true Christian. The Spirit is pivotal. I believe I read it in my Bible that without the Spirit of Christ, we are none of His. Uh, I'm not saying this to be mean or to be rude, but I believe I also read that as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. It's not, it's not a good add-on. It's not part of the... It's not an added blessing to be just kind of poured on top. This is the central thing. And I believe it's here in the book of Romans as the central thing. I believe it's there at the beginning of the early church as the primary thing. And I believe Jesus made it plainly in John chapter 3 that without this baptism you can't even you can't enter the kingdom of God you can't even see it it's very clear and with all due respect we have got to be careful as Pentecostals not to think that we can just get into some kind of I love meeting with you I love coming to young adults but this is a lot more than our routines this is a lot more than us trying to market ourselves or try to reach this world because we've got a plan of doing something we are Pentecostals, and if we will do anything, Zach, what do we need to do? Tell me, what do we need to do? <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot, but it's, it's not, am I being unclear? It's not, it's not optional. It's who we are. It's what makes us new creatures. I've got, I've got time. I don't know if you guys have time. I feel like you're you're kind of half asleep on me. You agree with this, right? Because if, if this is not who we are, we've got a problem. And we're kind of just going through the motions. This is absolutely essential to who we are. And, oh, I, don't, I didn't mean to let you guys out this early. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add a few more chapters in here. How's that sound? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back. We're going to come back to where we began in Romans chapter 15. And I'm going to bring this in to a somewhat not-so-short landing. The Bible says that, nevertheless, brethren, I have written, I have written the more boldly unto you as putting you in mind because of the grace of God that has given me, blah, 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 that the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now, what does this mean, the offering up of the Gentiles being acceptable? It, it's, what it has in view there, Zach, is it has the Old Testament sacrificial system in view when it uses that language, the offering up of the Gentiles. And it's not just any kind of offering. There are different kinds of offerings in the Old Testament. But this is a burnt offering. It's one of five types of offerings. And the burnt offering, thank you, Brother Kilman, for this material, but the burnt offering is where you take 
a bull or a sheep or a bird, depending on what you can afford, and you bring it to the priest, you bring it to the altar, and you completely burn it on the altar. It's not a required sacrifice. It's a voluntary free will sacrifice. And you bring it as a sign and as a thanksgiving offering to God because he redeemed you. And this is your way of saying, thank you, God. And I'm giving you my best because everything that I have, everything that I am, it belongs to you. And so this is my thanks. This is my thanksgiving. I'm just bringing my best and I'm going to see it burnt up on the altar. And this is also exactly what is in mind when we look at Romans chapter 12 and you see, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. It's, it's not even something that is absolutely do this or you're going to hell type of thing. It's like you've entered into a relationship with God and you're in the process of continuing to be sanctified by your own doing, by your own work, by the Holy Ghost. You continue to be sanctified by His Spirit. And this burnt offering is your free will expression to say, I'm consecrated to God. All that I am, all that I have, it belongs to you, God. Now, I'm, I'm a little simple, a little slow, and it just occurred to me that if you can have an acceptable sacrifice unto God, you can probably have an unacceptable sacrifice to God. And all of you Old, Old Testament scholars, this is review to you, but what is an un- unacceptable sacrifice if I'm bringing a bull or a, a sheep to sacrifice? Am I able to choose the, the one that looks like he's half dead? The one that's half blind? The one that looks like he's going to fall over? Can't reproduce? Has no potential anymore for anything but one more year and he's probably going to die? Well, hey, Let's bring that one to the temple and let's, let's kill that one and burn it for God. That is an unacceptable sacrifice. But it occurred to me that, well, what does God want from an acceptable sacrifice? Well, He wants the young and the strong. What has potential, it can procreate, it can reproduce. It's, you sacrifice a young male or a young female sheep, you're not just sacrificing that animal. You're sacrificing everything it could have produced for you. But that's what God wants is He wants your potential. He wants your best. And He's not saying do it or else. He's saying, I have redeemed you. And as a offering of thanksgiving and sacrifice, we give ourselves a living sacrifice to Him showing that we are consecrated. What does that look like? What does being a living sacrifice look like? That you present your bodies. Oh, you mean I actually have to do something like with my flesh? I thought that this was grace by faith. And no, 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 no. That we might prove in our actual physical bodies what is the holy and acceptable and perfect will of God. Brother Kilman puts it this way. And I think this is a really good way to put it. I wrote it down when I heard him say it. I'm like, ooh, that's so good. He said, what will the gift of your redeemed life be? What will the gift of your redeemed life be? That's a, that's a tough question. That's, the question's not, 
God, what can I get by with and be saved, but still kind of be carnally minded? That's not the question. This question is something very different. It's not, what's the minimum I can do to get by? It's God, what can I give you that would be an adequate thanksgiving offering for what you've done for me? We are blessed, folks. We really are blessed. We are blessed. I I don't know what I would do going through life, and if not just having that fallback of Jesus. Jesus. And His Spirit is there to comfort us. And that's not hyperbole. That's not an intellectual... I can't, I can't... I couldn't stand here and say that if all I had was a dry letter to talk about. But I have experienced, and you have experienced, the sweet Spirit of God. And so what could we give Him that would be enough? Well, obviously nothing. But... That is the idea of the burnt offering. That is the idea of what, why Paul has written Romans. It's not just that we get everybody saved in a, in a certain way, but that we just get, get there to be unity in the Spirit in this church. That we remove anything keeping these good Gentile folks from just growing in God, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Just growing in God and being to that point where when they move over to the other side, they're acceptable to God. So if the music would come, uh, I'm going to close up. Did I say 43 minutes? 48 minutes? Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back into this for another 15 minutes. 20 minutes, I don't know. But it's a simple lesson tonight. But this book... For all of the complexity in Romans, for all of the complexity, I think we can boil it down to this. We are all sinners, and we need to be in the process. And it's not going to happen without the power of the Holy Ghost to sanctify us. And I don't know about you, but if you're like me, or if you're just human, you're going to go through seasons. You're going to go through seasons. And sometimes you're pressing hard after God and other times it feels like I am just doing this inch by inch and I feel like I'm getting nowhere. But my challenge to you tonight is simply this. If you have not in a while allowed the Holy Ghost to burn some things out of you or to just challenge you and say, would you lay that down? I'm not saying you go to hell for it. I'm not... I don't think the Holy Ghost at this, where I'm challenging you guys is not like the conviction of you need to, you need to stop this gross sin. That's obvious. That's obvious. And if you're in gross sin, yeah, the Holy Ghost should convict you of that as well. But this is, man, Jesus, if there's something that I haven't laid down that you've been working on me about, Maybe it's time this week, maybe it's time tonight to reflect on that and allow the Holy Ghost to point some things out to you. Not everything's a salvation issue to everyone, but there could be salvation issues to you. There could be things that God wants to do in your life that you are not allowing Him to do, but that's a very personal thing. 
That's between you and the Holy Ghost. So for a moment as they play and as they sing, I just ask that we just reflect and invite the Holy Ghost to just do a check over on us. To just do a check over. fire of your altar, God. We invite the fire of your altar to sweep over our minds, to sweep over our hearts. Burn away, God. Burn away everything that is not of you. Burn away, God, every impurity that you want to remove. Even if it's not a sin issue, but if it's just a weight that is keeping us from doing what you really want us to be doing. Jesus, we need your spirit. We need your spirit, God. Without being led by your spirit, we are none of yours. And that's not something to be scared of, but your spirit is so sweet. I want to please you. I want to please you. I want, because you've been so good to me, I want to please you. Lord, shine a light on my heart. Show me, Lord, where something may be that needs to be burned on the fire of your altar. Jesus. Jesus.